And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool here on Blaze Podcast Network. My name is Cam Edwards, and I am joined by the lovely and talented and sweaty. And hot and sweaty, Missy. Missy. It's warm out there. Yeah, we had to milk the goats early because it's supposed to be super duper hot for the next couple of days. But when it's already 80 degrees by 8 o'clock in the morning, you're like, okay. But it's not the heat. It's the, it's humidity, the humidity. Right? Yeah, it was, it was, I think it was about 95, 96 yesterday. We used to have the heat index. It was like one. 15 or something no that's like that. the next couple of days there's oh. like this there's apparently this like humongous heat thing that's happened into most of the eastern two-thirds of the country which means like not the eastern two-thirds of the country but starting on the east okay. two-thirds of the country are going to be engulfed in what looks like very very high temperatures and we're in the highest oh boy and that's like the hum- heat and humidity thing and saying we're going to have a heat index of up to 115 degrees which makes no sense to me how can you say it's 100 degrees outside but it feels like 115 screw you it's 115 degrees outside <laughs> it's like the wind chill though you know it's, but it's, it's stupid it's, it's <laughs> if that if that's how it feels like then that's the temperature well sometimes you'll you'll actually see um meteorologists now they'll use that the, what is it the real field temperature or they or they even say you know feels like and okay they, so they are trying to do that because you're right you don't really care if it's 95 if it feels like 115 you're not you're not like, oh, well, it's only 95. You're like, oh, it feels like 150 yeah. out of here, right? It's so hot. But yeah. the goods are doing great. We're getting almost like a cup or two cups short of a half a gallon every day from the four of them. But I'm only milking them once a day in the morning because we, we were – I was doing two a day, but – that's way too much milk. And that is way too much milk. I mean, we we have. I've made like five times of cheeses and yogurt four times, and I've we're drinking it and and and, and we still so, have like three bottles in the. Oh, fridge there's like right five now. half gallon bottles in the refrigerator. Wow. Okay. I've put six, five, six cup Ziploc bags in the freezer <laughs> for future goat soap. Okay. But you made your, so this was. Well, we'll start talking about the making stuff. Uh, you made a cheesecake. And this is this is like making you know uh, a silk purse out of a sow's ear yes. because originally you had decided you were going to try to make cottage cheese. I think yeah. we actually talked about that on the last podcast. Yeah, because I really like cottage cheese. I do too, um, but it didn't really. It turned work. out way too creamy. It turned <laughs> out with the it, okay. So cottage cheese is kind of liquidy with lumps. This was super smooth, like cream cheese <laughs> so i might have to go back to the original me- i tried a different method and the woman was like yes it worked for me but i must have too much fat in my goat's milk or she skimmed it and didn't say that first but whatever um so i might have left too much fat in my milk so to speak okay. anyway but it was very very smooth and super creamy and as i was pulling out of the cheesecloth, i was like this is not cottage cheese this feels like cream cheese and then, like, you're right, like, Sills perk out of a sow's ear, I went ahead and looked up in one of my cookbooks, and I had a really yummy cheesecake. And I actually think, technically, it's the Lindy's cheesecake recipe. Okay. It was in a gourmet magazine from 1991. Oh, that's, wow. And it, that's what it says on the cookbook page, too. But it's a classic, really great cream, uh, cheesecake. It All it really has is cream cheese in it. It's got five, two and a half pounds of cream cheese. Wow. And then I needed a little bit of cream, so I just went to the containers and I skimmed off a little <laughs> bit of the goat cream. Um, but I, and 
and new stove woes. So I messed up the cheese and then I baked the cake and it was supposed to start at 550 degrees for 12 minutes and then you're supposed to lower it to 200 degrees, but I lowered it to 300 degrees so it cooked a little faster, oh, which is why it got a little extra toasty on the outside. Toasty, okay. New stove woes because I'm not real smart about my stove yet. So yeah, double negatives turned out. It's still tasty. It is. I mean, the, the, the crust is a little crunchy. Um, but it pre- protected the bottom of the cheesecake. Right. So as long as you don't eat the bottom crust, the cheesecake is perfect. <laughs> I liked it. I had a, uh, I'm trying to like, you know, slim down and be a little more svelte. So I've only had one tiny piece of the cheesecake, but it was a good piece. I had a piece yesterday after dinner and I scooped out some of the blueberry filling from the Mennonites blueberry pie as a topper. Oh. Cause it totally brought me back to my high school days of going and getting a piece of cheesecake at the dimer with blueberry filling topping. Oh, we, they, yeah. they take a scoop of the jarred pie filling and uh-huh. throw yeah, so that's what nice. I had for dessert last night. Probably should not have. I ended up with indigestion for all the <laughs> night. But so we need to ask, how are you doing? I'm okay. Some mornings are better than others. It's really annoying when I woke up feeling like I have a hangover and I haven't been able to drink alcohol <laughs> since the beginning of May because I cannot, uh, as I've complained repeatedly, um, I am to avoid and eliminate alcohol with the immunotherapy drug. And I've been very, 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 very diligent about that. Um, but yeah, it's it's Mother Nature's mean when I wake up feeling like I have a hangover and I haven't been able to drink. I know. I'm sorry about that. Uh, but most of the time, it's just... I feel I'm fine. I feel kind of blech some days. Um, indigestion is a big thing because it messes up. Chemo kind of has a tendency to mess up your whole digestive system. So I just have to be diligent about taking my heartburn medicine, too. But yeah. For the most part, I feel good. My hair's growing back. It is. So it's coming back badly, but I might have to do one more head shave to get the front to catch up to the back so I don't look like... I maybe maybe we just, well, what we'll do is maybe we'll just shave the back and we'll keep the front that's growing in and then it'll all That'd be a, what, like an upside down tonsure? That's like the weirdest thing we'll ever. We'll call it the front mullet. We'll front. call it the, uh, yeah. We'll call it nothing. I ain't doing that. I ain't doing it. Oh, fine. Um, but no, I feel fine otherwise. And it's been nice. People have been checking in on me either on Instagram or Facebook. So thank you very much for all that, everybody. Yes. We need to say a special thank you to Sinbell who yeah. sent along a, uh, very lovely gift. It's a, a DVD of this Korean show. Yeah, right? DVD like of a, some Korean cooking romance. I don't know. Cooking slash romance The show. way to the heart is through the stomach in the scrumptious 2010 NBC romantic comedy called Pasta. So... It's got subtitles. Yeah, so we're, apparently we're, it's we're awesome. Be okay, but apparently it's really cute and funny. So yeah, we're gonna we, we got that. So we're we're looking forward to that. So we're gonna um, we just have to look up your get your address and we'll go ahead and send you a bottle of hot sauce. Exactly. Oh, speaking of hot sauce. Okay, so I had teased this on uh, on the twitters a couple of days ago. We've started making next year's hot sauce so the stuff that we're going to be making next year is starting to be fermented now right those three jars i shared on instagram are the first three jars of our ferment our 2020 fermented hot sauce so we're going to be actually making this weekend our 2019 hot sauce which is with the peppers that are all behind me in my office smelling wonderfully yeah and so they've been fermenting for about a year year, over a year yeah since last summer this is summer to summer project yeah, yeah so that means that last year's hot sauce we need to kind of clear some out 
out and make some room for this year's hot yeah, sauce. Yeah, 25 so. bottles right now, 25 10 ounce bottles. Now they don't have labels, so it'll be a couple of days before we're able to ship them to anybody. Right, but here's the deal. We are going to give away 20 bottles of hot sauce. We're gonna keep five, does that sound good? Yeah, I've okay. already got one for each year. I keep them in a special exactly. place. Yeah, <laughs> so we're gonna give away 20 bottles of hot sauce. Now we are gonna ask that uh, you guys provide $10 for shipping and handling, but that's it. Yeah. Uh, other than that, the hot sauce is gonna be absolutely free. And I'm going to make it really easy. The first 20 people who email us at 40acrefool at gmail.com, uh, you guys get the hot sauce. So we'll work with you. I guess the first 20 people who email us and who PayPal is the shipping and handling, you get the bottle of hot sauce. Let's just go with email first okay. because at least the email, there's a, a easily traceable timestamp. Don't send me money until we contact you. Well, they won't know how to send you money. Right, which is why I don't send anything until we contact you. Exactly. Right, so yeah. send the email. We'll go send off the, the email. email first, yes. And then we'll go, congratulations! You get to pay me $10 for a bottle of hot sauce. Right, so the email address, 40acrefool at gmail.com. Uh, and if you want your bottle of Corny Goat Farm hot sauce, I will tell you, it is very, very hot. Yeah. My father actually called to complain that my hot sauce was too hot. But it does have flavor. It's not like it's just pure heat. No, it's got a whole bunch of different peppers. They are all listed on the label. Um, but yes, it's very complex. It has a lot of heat, but it has good flavor. It's a thicker... A slightly thicker texture than a sriracha. Mm. About sriracha-ish, I think. It, well, a sriracha to me is like very creamy. And this to me is almost like um, chunky Tabasco. All right. It's more like that then. It's like, not a, like, as, a, like a pizza hot as, sauce, but but with but, but with just a little bit more There's a little bit of it. texture. Yeah. Because what, what this fermented hot sauce is, basically, is so when we ferment the peppers, we pack them whole into jars with a salt brine and garlic cloves. So that's the only thing. Peppers, water, garlic, salt. Um, and then they, they live for, you know, a month, a year in my office. And then we take them out and we strain but reserve the brine. We puree the mess out of the peppers. And then we start, we keep pureeing it. And then we just keep starting to add the brine back to it to get it to the consistency that I think would be good. Mm -hmm. So it's all me, but it's all like just ground up peppers. Yeah, like it's a little bit thinner than... Like a, a, it's thinner a than ketchup, and oh, way, way thinner, thinner than, than ketchup. ketchup. But Almost. it's kind of like it's kind of like Frank's and Tabasco, only a little bit more texture to it. Yeah. So, uh, but hotter. But hotter. Way hotter. <laughs> There's ghost peppers, serrano, ancho, two different types of jalapeno. I can't. Yeah. There's too many types of peppers. And uh, our peppers, you know, we we so <laughs> I know they they didn't go well in the in the, the ones we started from seed. So I went and I bought some pepper plants and we got what, probably six peppers out of them before. They just didn't really grow. They just never well. caught up. Uh, so thankfully, one of our friends, uh, we were able to do a little farm swap and our 20 year old refrigerator, which still works. Oh, but, it's uh, perfect. It's just not big. It got out of our house. house right after 20 years. Uh, we've we swapped the refrigerator for hot sauce, hot hot sauce peppers, peppers this year. <laughs> right. Right. So, so she's we're just going to get hot peppers every couple of weeks. Yep. And we've already got three jars. So it's kind of cool because it's not necessarily our peppers this year, but 
we know exactly where they came from. Like yeah. I could, you know, she's I, way more organic than I could ever hope to be. And she grows everything either from save seed or she's very non GMO, which I don't necessarily believe in. Cause I think it's BS, but blah, 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 blah. That's all the, all the good talking points for a farmer right there for her. Well, we so. never had GMO peppers. I mean, we always, we always like the, we're, we're the same way. I mean, we're like the heritage peppers. Yeah. But the, I'll buy miracle you know, grow weird stuff. Like I'm really bummed. Oh yeah. We'll buy miracle grow. I'm bummed that the, uh, the, fish was it the fishmonger pepper yeah the they, one that was from baltimore they nothing yeah they nothing happened with those and we got one mad hatter pepper yeah but that was the one that was on the plant when you planted the plant i don't think that plant ever really <laughs> took off i think most of those peppers were on the plants when you planted them that's the thing about buying plants from the home you know home uh-huh. improvement store when they already have a little bit of growth on them i don't i think that's it i think they just that's it that they shot their wad yeah <laughs> well and, and you know too i think where so when we planted it was really dry where we planted uh it, again it's it was perfect for peppers we just you know was, we're bad was, farmers let's just face it we just we should have been out there more they should have had a better plant they should have had mulch they should have been staked they should have been watered more often well, they should have could have you, know, you say we're bad farmers but we've, we've had some stuff I'm just saying on. we've I'm done just, a good job with the container gardens. Yes, we're year. doing really well with the raised beds. So the cucumbers did fantastically. Um, we ate some. We turned some into a really ru- yummy um, Russian uh, uh, salad. If you've never heard of it, it's like thinly sliced peeled cucumbers with onions and a little bit of garlic and sour cream. What do you call that? I don't know. It's called a cucumber, cucumber salad. salad. Okay. Yeah, but it's yeah, just, it's, it's it really is simple, but it's delicious, especially yeah. when it's ninety five and it feels like one hundred and fifteen. Yeah, and if you don't like uh, uh, the sour cream, you can also just use like Greek yogurt, and you get the same sort of effect and feeling. But I also managed to put up five quarts of uh, countertop fermented fridge pickles, mm-hmm. and then I think two or th- two or two of them, I put the gochujang. Uh, uh, Korean hot pepper chili in while it was fermenting, oh, so which is the same like stuff that I have for pickle? kimchi. So it should be like a kimchi pickle. Oh, so, wow. And those were the ones that were the golden pickles. So okay. they're kind of orange now. Okay, cool. So this should be interesting. Uh, we are doing quite well with our tomatoes this year. Oh, yeah. Uh, swimming in them at this point now. I'm the super last excited. Weeks. It's crazy. And the, the, the paste tomatoes are now just starting to come in. Yep. So you'll be able to make tomato sauce for the next couple of months. And can them, because that's the thing I like to do with the tomatoes, is I like to um, make them into just a very plain sauce that is easily applied over different uh, sort of foods, like Indian and Italian and, and uh, Cajun and stuff. But I also like to just can whole tomatoes. And even though I won't be able to participate this year, if anybody does it, and you get the idea in your head, if you can whole tomatoes with nothing, just, um, and there's a there's directions in any ball book um the ball pressure canning people Mm -hmm. you can you can dry pack whole tomatoes with just salt and citric acid so you're not adding any additional water because once you get through the processing they make water well that water that tomato water Uh oh my blob that makes some of the best bloody marys (laughs) on the planet bloodyless bloody marys by the way because it's kind of a clear with a red tint to it because it's tomato water but it's really tasty so and it's you know really low in acid because it doesn't actually have any real tomato tomato in it it's like the water and the the liquid essence of tomato so (laughs) there you go there's your there's your helpful booze hint for the summer uh if you like tomatoes if you can't drink at least you you can inspire i can inspire other people to get their cocktails on um so yeah but i love to have also whole tomatoes for the same same different thing like we love uh, different indian foods and one of our favorite things to eat is butter chicken Mm -hmm. well that takes plain tomato sauce and whole canned tomatoes 
But if, you know, there's some people who already go ahead and throw in the basil and the oregano when they can, right. well, then you've already sort of relegated it to the Italian shelf. Yeah. So I don't want to do that. So you, yeah. So you, I leave mine. Keep it as simple as possible. Simple, so you stupid. can change it up and do yep. whatever you want with yep. it. All right. Well, that makes sense. And the other thing we've done too, because we've had so many tomatoes, we have tomato jam which I had yesterday mm-hmm. on a brioche roll with fried eggs and cheddar cheese, Yum. and it was delicious. We have green tomato chutney. I have made tomato paste. We have tomato ketchup, and we have tomato sauce, and we don't have any more whole tomatoes because I've used them all. But okay. still, this is still stuff we have from last year. Okay. So Well, you'll be able to make more whole tomatoes, uh, canned whole tomatoes here soon. Yep. The one thing that we've been dealing with with our tomatoes this year is, and not uh, not all of them, thankfully. Yeah, just a couple um, of plants here and there. Yeah, so there's a... Uh, the, Sometimes your tomato plants will get what's called blossom end rot, and it's basically a calcium deficiency. So you can tell when you've got it because as your tomatoes start to ripen, or they, uh, as they start to grow, they'll get a dark spot at the bottom that'll just spread out. And right. by the time they're ripe, half the tomato is it's rotten. Just rotten. Uh, so we've got probably three or four plants of the paste tomato kind that that have the blossom end rot it's weird all of our so we've got two beds that are paste tomatoes yeah and not all of them are affected right so in one bed maybe three or four of the 12 tomato plants right. have blossom end rot they're all in the same bed same yeah. root system i mean you know different roots you would think and it may just soil. it may just be that the types require different levels of calcium but you're right it doesn't make any sense it like really you doesn't. would think that the whole bed would be shot or the whole bed would be fine but i'm glad that it's not so, so uh we next did, year we have eggshells for that yes we'll throw them in over the winter so that they compost down and it'll make it nice and calcium yeah rich. and you can do that as well when you're planting your tomato well, at, plants the very be, beginning. at the very beginning well that's what i said when yeah. you plant you don't you plant in the middle yeah so, so yeah when you're planting you can you know crush the egg cells and you can put them down in the little hole that you dig and then you know you put the plant there but i forgot well we forgot um and, but there is something that, that we're trying it's a spray yeah i got it on amazon it got really good reviews it's, and it's just basically concentrated calcium yeah that's calcium and calcium chloride and you spray but you don't spray the base of the plant you spray the leaves so you spray it, the you spray the stalks you, and you spray the fruit so it absorbs it right and uh, you're supposed to do it, I think, like three times in a, a week. We've done it, I think, twice. So I probably have to do it one more time, maybe yeah. tomorrow. I watered this morning, so we'll do it uh, tomorrow. But um, I'm curious to see if it actually works. The reviews, most of the people were jumping up and down about how well it fixed their problem. Okay. So, I mean, this year we have that. Next year we know to put... You know, right to, to 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 do it ahead of time, but, but but in the meantime, we've got our chocolate cherries that are coming in. In fact, I found a mutant chocolate cherry tomato this morning. I was going to show you as two that have grown together. It's like a Siamese twin. As I was cherry. sitting milking this morning, I'm, I stare off into space and look at the tomato beds, and <laughs> I there's a really red uh, slicer or a paste tomato somewhere in the greenery that I have to go get after we finish our podcast. Okay, and our favorite, the sun golds, oh. are. Uh, Oh my gosh, they're everywhere. So and we those, have as much of those as we want every those day. Those are an indeterminate cherry tomato, which means that they will just keep growing and growing and growing and growing until there's a frost. Yep. So they will just keep getting long, taller and longer and longer. Right now, those plants in that particular <laughs> bed are all taller than I am by at least two feet. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're probably eight feet. And I'm 5'10", we're five, nine and a half now, but yeah. So um, what's cool about the, those is that... Uh, you know, we, they're edible out of hand, right? We just mm-hmm. pop them in our mouths constantly. They're, but, you know, we end up with a lot of cherry tomatoes. They go into a big old pot and they get turned into tomato paste. Yeah. One year I took all of the orange cherries and big ones and little ones and I turned them into a yellow tomato butter, 
which was kind of like apple butter, uh-huh. but made out of tomatoes. It tasted delicious, but this year I found a jar like in the way back of the pantry that was from like 2015. <laughs> oh dear. It wasn't yellow no more. <laughs> no, it, it was the color of Coke. Yeah. It was that brown. It still smelled great. It didn't yeah. have any rot or anything. It right. just, you know, that kind of tomato isn't going to keep his color for very long. Right. Really. So. Uh, oh, so the other big news uh, this week is I'm, I'm back to work. Yes, so you, got, you are gainfully employed <laughs> and we no longer have to depend upon my, me. Yay. 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 So if you missed the news, uh, and hopefully you did not, but I am the... Or hopefully it did because it was a big old blank show, by the way. But yeah. <laughs> well, not me getting a not job. Not you getting the job. The whole reason that you had to get the job. Right. Well, we went over that okay. previously. So, you know, listen, let's look through the windshield, not the rearview mirror. Okay, right? there we go. So I am the editor of... Of bearingarms.com, uh, which is awesome because not only am I gainfully employed again, but I'm actually doing something that I'm excited about. Um, bearingarms.com, part of the Salem uh, and Town Hall Media family. So I am now writing, which is something that I didn't really have a chance to do uh, with Cam and Company. Occasionally I'd write a piece for like America's First Freedom or, you know, some other web publication, um, but it's not something that I did on a daily basis. So I am back to doing that. I'm, I'm not back to, I'm now getting a chance to do that on a daily basis. And we are going to be bringing back uh, a, a show here uh, from Bearing Arms in the very near future. I, I can't give you a specific date, but uh, we're working to get it up and running as soon as possible. Um, and we'll talk more about that, uh, you know, as we get closer. Maybe next week I'll have some more details to reveal to you. But uh, I just want to say thanks to everybody who had, you know, reached out and everybody who had offered advice and everybody who had, you know, just offered up their their uh, their prayers for a, a speedy recovery. This was the first time in 25 years that I was without a job, and yeah. it sucked. Were, I did not like, like it. I don't know how to apply for unemployment. I'm like, oh, please, here, let me show you this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, again, you know, like. I don't know, maybe it's the inner patriarch in me, you know, talking, but but there is something about being the provider yeah. for your family. And all of a sudden, when you're not providing, uh, it kind of throws you for a loop. I mean, yeah. it really does. So uh, anyway, I, I'm excited. Uh, I've already started writing. I had a, a piece yesterday about this absolutely insane uh, law in California. Yeah, that's right? the stupidest thing ever, especially given the land of the, the you know, the... the California, me is like the land of of PC and PETA. Okay. To me, yeah. so to me, this seems like the antithesis of what the land of PC and PETA should be allowing people to do or ca- making people do. Well, so California is, and, and I mean, really, they are just trying to make it so difficult for to exercise your Second Amendment rights in California that people just stop. Right. Um, so they've got this new ammo law that kind of rolled into effect in a, in a couple of different phases. This was passed via a voter referendum, by the way, in 2016, uh, Prop 63, which was known as the Gunmageddon package among gun owners. And one of the laws was um, that you would have to have a background check every time you purchased ammunition. So the first phase rolled out and there was an end to ordering ammunition online. Anytime you ordered ammo online, you would have to have it shipped to your local FFL where you'd have to go through a background check to pick up your ammunition. That's stupid because without a gun, I mean, okay, I'll go. Anybody should be able to go in and buy a box of. I know. So without the without the bullet delivery (laughs) machine, the box that you're purchasing is pretty useless. But whatever. So that was the first phase. And along with that first phase, there was another aspect of the law that went into effect that says California residents cannot go out of state, purchase ammunition and then bring that ammunition back 
into the state of California. Which has got to be a stinky thing. Like Now, I, as a Virginian, if I wanted, let's, let's say I was going to a three-gun match in California, I could bring my ammo in from Virginia. I could drive in. There's nothing that they, that's not against the law. Um, but if a Californian, let's say, drives to Arizona to go shoot a three-gun match, and while they're there, they pick up ammunition and they shoot some of it, but they've got some left over. They can't bring that ammo back into the state of California. It's a felony to do so. That's really stupid. Right. So Needles, California is uh, not just where Snoopy's brother Spike lives, um, but it's right there on the border between California and Arizona. There are no gun stores in Needles. There are like eight right across the Colorado River in Bullhead City and Lake Havasu City and Fort Mojave. But California gun owners can't. Legally, the Needles is California, but all those other cities you mentioned were all in Arizona. Yeah. It's right across the river. It's like three, four miles away. Okay. But California gun owners who live in Needles can't use those gun stores to purchase ammunition. So the mayor of Needles, a guy named Jeff Williams, uh, said he has to drive to Barstow. If you remember the old Route 66 song. Yeah. Right? Needles, Barstow, San Bernardino. Yep. That's driving west on I-66. Barso is about 140 miles from Needles. One way. One way. And that's how far you have to go if you live in this California border town to legally purchase ammunition. A round trip of 280 flipping miles. Well, what about that carbon footprint PC people in My California? My point exactly. Right? And that's what I wrote about uh, at uh, Bering Arms recently is that, you know, look, California gun owners, excuse me, California anti-gun politicians and anti-gun politicians more generally. I don't think they, A, they don't care about you being inconvenienced because that's a feature, that's not a bug. They want you to be inconvenienced. They don't care about the constitutional argument. That's that's a really hard one, I think, for a lot of gun owners to accept, is that anti-gun advocates are not going to be swayed by constitutional arguments because they want to write the Second Amendment out of the Constitution. Right. Um, But if you can approach it from a different angle then maybe you can have some success. So what is the carbon footprint of driving 280 miles to get ammunition? Because an anti-gun politician in California says that's the way it has to be. Yeah, is that the equivalent of a farting cow per year? Is that a farting goat? And oh, 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 I yes. just thought of another point of this too, yes. though. This also is bad for people who don't have as much money as other people. Of course it this is. This is going to be really bad for the, the the less, the more disadvantaged because they can't take the day off from work to drive all that time. They can't spend the money on gas and tolls and, and on top of that purchase the ammo and another background check. You're right. That's... Yeah, that's discriminatory towards poor people. Yes, and they're in an, and again in California, they're they've taken to calling people homeless people unhoused neighbors, mm-hmm. but they're not okay with poor people having a. Nope, they're not. Yeah. So, so yeah, so um, I think you know the the city leaders there in Needles are uh, they've declared themselves to be a Second Amendment sanctuary city, and they're trying to work out some sort of arrangement with lawmakers at the state capital in Sacramento, where there'd be sort of a carve out where these border towns would not have to abide by state law, it's not going to happen. No, it's not, because they want to make work. it more complicated, more annoying, and <laughs> right. more difficult. Um, but I, I, I think that the environmental argument is actually worth pursuing. I, I would go to these lawmakers and say, listen, do you realize that this is going to have a negative economic, or not a, not a negative economic, although it will have a negative economic impact, but you realize it's not, this is going to have a, a negative environmental impact here on the state of California. And by the way, it's just, the law does nothing. It's completely useless. It does not prevent uh, you know anybody 
Look, if you're a gang member. You ain't gonna bother about gun laws anyway. Right. Obviously. So so let's say you're a, a prohibited person, you're a convicted felon living in Los Angeles, and you're a gang member and you want ammunition. So what do you do? Well, let's see. You're either going to A, uh, use the members of your gang who don't have criminal records to purchase ammunition, and then you're gonna take the ammunition from them. Uh, or B, you're gonna maybe go out of state and purchase ammunition and bring it back in, which is against the law. But guess what? You're already doing a lot of stuff that's against the law if you are a criminal gang member. Or they'll break into somebody's house. Or they'll break into somebody's house and steal it, right? So you're going to create an illicit market. Uh, You're certainly going to expand whatever illicit market already exists. Uh, And and again, I, I don't know how on earth this law is actually enforceable other than, you know, car checks keeping at cops the border. at the, every border for everything right and they do they'll, they do have that in california this, where they'll check for uh you disgusting know. they'll check the californians will check the border for guns more than they'll check the borders for illegal immigrants that cracks me up well they'll check for for vegetables and fruits <gasps> illegal vegetables oh my god because they don't want to br- because they don't want to bring in you know uh bugs or, or oh i get that right part, but still well that's the thing but you're right they're checking for fruits and ammo more than, you know, people who are in the country illegally. I know. So anyway, I I just saw that, you know, we've been talking about, uh, you know, stuff that impacts rural America and why people who might want to live in rural America don't live in rural America. There's another reason. Well, there's a reason for, uh, you know, not living in rural California. Well, that's a good reason for just not living in California in general. I don't know why anybody would go there. I'm still thinking that one of these years, the whole plant, the whole state's just going to fall off at the San Andreas fault and just end up as an island. I'm actually hoping for that. I've been hoping for that for a really oh, long time. Oh, stop. You don't want to hope for that. Uh, anyway, it, it, you know, but it is having an economic impact on uh, the folks in Needles as well, because you're right. Like, if you want to live, if you want to retire to that area, where are you going to move to? You got to move to the place where you can actually, you know, live in free America, or you got to pick the place that, you know, wants to regulate every aspect of your life. Yeah. And if it's a difference of, you know, three or four miles... Most, I think, more people are choosing to live uh, and, and move to the Arizona side than uh, the Needles. So they're yeah. worried about the town's survival. All right. We are uh, going to start to wrap things up here. I do have uh, at least one email that I want to get to before we have to uh, say goodbye for a few days. And I'm, I'm, I am planning. I might fly solo this next one, but I am planning on uh, having another 40 acres in full here in the uh, very near future. So Michael writing in from Michigan. Since it's finally hot, it's very hot and humid. Yeah, we're right there with you, Michael. Yeah. Missy is is glistening already because we have to turn off the air conditioner in my studio whenever we do the podcast. Yeah, so hurry up and talk. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Michigan has lots of water, which is great. But when it gets hot, all that water ends up in the air and you just sweat and suffer until you find AC or can jump into the water. I will say I am kind of missing our above ground pool right about now. Uh, I don't know. The never-ending rain this spring is finally let up, says Michael, and everything is growing like crazy finally. Uh, As for your question about rural living, I can't really say that we live in a rural place. The USDA considers our village of uh, Manchester rural, but we have gas and city water. The village has some huge wells. They treat the water and they pipe it out. And sewers and broadband. So it's like rural living for pansies. (laughs) (laughs) Rural living light. The very near frontier at best. Ann Arbor is a half hour away. Chelsea, Michigan, where Jeff Daniels is from. He has the Purple Rose Theater there and Jiffy Mix Hills from there as well. Uh, That's 20 minutes away. There's a fine hospital there. So again, we're not way out there. Um, Metro. Cherries. 
That's the land of cherries, right? Land of cherries, yes. Metro Detroit Airport is just over an hour away. Uh, Michigan International Speedway is about 30 minutes away. He says it's the best, kind of the best of both worlds. Rural enough where nobody looks at you funny if you're a hunter. Uh, Good luck with that in Ann Arbor. But close enough to most anything you need where it's not a major trip to get to any of it. Yeah, right. He says, I suppose I'd characterize it as a very small town. In fact, the village is kicking around, becoming a city, uh, albeit a very small one, he says, but would be well above the smallest one in the state. You know, and and here's the thing. I will actually, you say that would be defined as the very near frontier. I would say that is defined as the near frontier. Yeah, it's the near frontier. Right. You right. are close to those services. You are lucky that you've got, you know, cable internet and you've got all of the amenities. But at the same time, you do have that, that, that you know, life out there experience where, uh, again, it's not surrounded by row homes and townhomes. Uh, he says another benefit of living closer to Ann Arbor is jobs. That's a big thing if you uh, are are uh, going to be living on the near frontier. You have to have a place to work, right? Uh, he says the University of Michigan, one of the largest employers in the state with an endowment of over $10 billion. It's amazing they can't just offer that uh quote-unquote free college tuition, right? Uh, Big-time college athletics, huge medical system. They have more jobs than you can imagine available at any given time. He says, uh, my wife could not work for the food service over the summer. She works as a school chef. They only needed so many over the summer, and she had low seniority. So she got a temp job cleaning the kitchen at the university for the summer. They love her so far. They hire most anyone with a pulse, but she's a hard worker despite her health issues, and I'm pretty sure she's going to have to make a tough call about staying at the university with awesome benefits or going back to the school chef position. She loves working with the kids, and the kids and the staff love her. The teachers invited her to their staff-only after-school celebration. They never did that for a contractor before her. It's a good problem to have, says Mike, choosing which offer to take. Well, I wish her the very, very best. And uh, it sounds, again, like both of those, it's not a, okay, well, what's going to be the least crappy job? It sounds like both of those are, are you know, things that, uh, that she really enjoys doing. Mike says, um, his son and I. Well, his son and Mike, not not me. Uh, the boy and I, he says, leave on Friday to go down to Ohio uh, so we can participate in the Scholastic Clay Target Program National Championships. That's awesome. Uh, did not have a great year, he says, this year. Didn't get worse, but didn't really improve over last year. Well, many of his teammates improved and surpassed him. He says, I think a lot of it has to do with his growth spurt. Uh, so he's, the gun's not fitting quite as well. He might need a new stock. He says, we'll be looking at guns while we're down there. Uh, finally, he says, uh, here's hoping that you get snatched up by a network soon. So, hey. Look at that, Mike. It worked. Um, he says, just don't go winning the lottery and leaving us all high and dry without your awesome content. Or start a new network and have a show called I Own This Bleep, and I can say whatever the bleep I want whenever I want. So bite me. <laughs> imagine, he says, Missy with zero restrictions. Oh, I, I don't have to imagine that, Mike. I get to live it. I am lucky enough to get to live it. Missy, by the way, had to uh, uh, take off. She uh, started not feeling so great. So she had to uh, walk away and get to a cooler area here. I'm telling you, it's just hot and gross right now. Well, that is going to do it for this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool here on Blaze Podcast Network. I'm going to uh, actually try to come back with another podcast before the weekend. We've got uh, more stuff to talk about as well. I want to hear from you. This is your uh, homework question. Besides the uh, email for hot sauce, 40acrefool at gmail.com, I would love to hear from you uh, this week. What is your 
Favorite activity when it is, you know, a hundred degrees and miserable outside. Do you still, is that like, cause I know that there are some weird people. I mean, I don't want to call you weird, but you're a little weird to me. There are some weird people who are like, oh, I will begin sweating as soon as I step outside. Let's go for a run. That's not me. But if that's your thing, I would love to know. Is it, I want to hang out in a hammock. I just don't even want to go outside. I uh, get up at six o'clock in the morning where it's still kind of cool. Or I, you know, uh, go outside when it's nine or 10 o'clock at night when it's kind of started to cool down. How do you deal with the summer heat? What do you do? Do you embrace it? Do you run away from it? 40acrefool at gmail.com. That's the uh, email to use. Thank you again for being a part of the program this week. Until we talk again, be safe, have fun, live a little, learn a lot, and make stuff. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. 